0: Good morning. Oh, that was very, very weak. <laughs> well, good morning. Hey, there we go. Now I know you're, you're awake, at least. We are delighted that you're here, and as Blaine uh, welcomed you, I welcome you as well, uh, you visitors, and, but it's great to see all of our members as well. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. If you watch the news, you, it seems that bad news travels fast and it's global, isn't it? On a global uh, scene, we see war and, and other conflicts, other problems just a, around the globe and it seems that they make it to our newscasts. On a national level, there are so many issues. Uh, government shutdown I, it was one thing that caught my, my eye this morning. Um, even on a, on a local level, there are so many issues. But it, it doesn't have to be on the news. It can be on our own lives. We recognize the truthfulness of this verse that we need not boast about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow may bring. As W.T. Allison has, has said in the past, a phone call changes everything. And many of you have received such phone calls that just changed your World, We live in uncertain times. Would you agree? Uncertain times. But I want to underscore with you this morning that as Christians, we can live confidently even in uncertain times. How is that possible? How can we live confidently in uncertain times? Well, one way, one answer to that is that we stay centered that we stay centered. And when we mean stay centered, we're not talking about some humanistic idea of centering ourselves, but centering ourselves on Christ. That's the true center. And that is what's going to enable us to live confidently in, in a world that is so uncertain from day to day. What does that mean to live a Christ-centered life? Well, I want invite you to turn or look up uh, in your Bibles or Bible app, Colossians chapter 3. I want to spend a few moments with there, there in this text with you this morning. Colossians chapter 3. What does it mean to live a Christ-centered life and what, how does that change our perspective? Let's listen to the Apostle Paul as he talks about that. And the first thing that the Apostle in, encourages those Christians at Colossae and us today to do is to th- seek the things of Christ. Seek the things of Christ. Verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. If then you were raised with Christ. And what he's referring to there is when they were baptized into Christ as penitent believers. When they obeyed the gospel. A few verses prior to this, we read this. You were buried with him in baptism, Colossians 2, verse 12, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. So he says, if then you were raised with Christ... And you have been raised with Christ. And the idea is since you've been raised with Christ from the waters of baptism to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 4, then things change for us. And one thing that changes for us is our perspective. And Paul is saying now our perspective is to seek the things of Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That's our focal point now. And it's an ongoing action according to the tense of the verbs here. The idea is keep seeking those things above. Keep seeking those things above. J.B. Lightfoot uh, had a paragraph that I want to share with you talking about our perspective. The change involved in baptism, if truly realized... "...must pervade a whole man's nature. It affects not only his practical conduct, but his intellectual conceptions also. It is nothing less than a removal into a new sphere of being. He is translated from earth to heaven, and with this translation, his point of view is altered. His standard of judgment is, is wholly changed." The material, the transitory, the mundane has given place to the moral, the eternal, the heavenly. And what I appreciated about his statement was that our whole perspective changes. We have a new point of view, a new way of looking at our earthly existence. And it's from a heavenly point of view. And we're to continue, since we've been raised with Christ in the waters of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, we have this new perspective. And our focal point, again, is is Jesus. He's instructing us to set our hearts on Christ in such a way that every facet of our lives has been transformed by our relationship with Him. To illustrate it, think about a compass. Think about taking a compass with you on a hike. And you get deep into the woods or out in the wilderness and, and, and you don't know which direction you're heading. But you can look at your compass. And no matter which direction you are pointed, that comp- the needle on that, on that compass is always going to point toward magnetic north. And so if we find ourselves or when we find ourselves lost and needing of direction... We can use that compass to get us back back on track. In life, our true north is Jesus. That's our true north. That's our focal point. Whatever direction our world's path may twist, however off path it may wander, our lives should point faithfully to the one and only Lord of every place, every time, every situation. One writer says, When Jesus is our determining point everything will find its proper orientation. And that's what Paul is saying. How do you live confidently in uncertain times? You have your compass set on Jesus. He's our true north. He's the one that gives us our direction. And what he directs is that we've set our minds on the things of Christ. Notice the next verse, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your minds on Christ. On things above, Paul says, this set your mind to means to give careful consideration to. He's referring to the mindset of the Colossians and of Christians. Fix your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. How easy is it for us to focus on things of the earth? Extremely easy. It was easy for the Christians in that day. It's easy for us today to get wrapped up in the things of the world. But Paul says since we've been raised with Christ, we have a new focal point now. We're to set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And it it requires balance on, on our part. Listen to what, how one writer described it. We're not to become so entangled with worldly affairs that we cannot seek heavenly things. Nor are we to become so involved with going to heaven that we don't handle our earth responsibilities properly. The right balance is achieved by relating our earthly responsibilities to our, God, to our godly or heavenly objectives. The way I like to phrase it, we are to look at earth from heaven's point of view. We are to look at heaven's point of view to realize what things are truly lasting, what things are truly important while we're living on this earth. We handle our day-to-day responsibilities looking at them from a heaven's point of view. And if we'll keep that mindset, then it's going to become more and more obvious to us what things are truly important and lasting and what things are not. And we'll be convicted about how many times we're focused on on the things of this earth and not on those things that are really lasting and important. Paul gave us a heavenly perspective in a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The context is on matters of marriage But Paul writes to the church at Corinth in a time of a crisis. And he says, in view of this present crisis, there's a certain way that we need to live. And notice what he says. Because of the present crisis, the time is short. From now on, those who buy something should live as if it were not theirs to keep. And notice the statement. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. This is the NIV. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. There's been a debate about what that present crisis is, but it makes a lot of sense to me that it would be a time of persecution. And so in the view of this present crisis, he says when you buy something, you hold it it loosely, as if it's not yours to keep. And if you use the thing of this world, don't become engrossed in them. Because this world, as we know it, is passing away. But you look at that statement that I highlighted. And again, how easy is it for us to become so engrossed in this world that that's all we can see? But Paul is trying to broaden, in fact raise our mindset. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Think of it in terms of if you are piloting a ship, you've got to have your destination in mind. There are going to be some outside forces trying to, to change your direction. There may be things uh, that you see that may captivate your attention and, and try to lure you off your course. But in order to reach our destination, we've got to have our sights set on that, on that intended destination. What Paul is saying, set your sights on things above where Christ is. Set your sights on heaven and view your earthly existence from that heavenly point of view. Not only that, Paul encourages us to find your life in Christ. Find your life in Christ. Verse 3, for you died, he says to these Christians, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. How How is it that they died? It goes back to their conversion. They were buried with Christ in baptism into his death, Romans 6, verse 4, Colossians 2, 12 and 13. You died. Your old self has, been, has died. Now your life is living for Jesus. I am crucified with Christ, Paul would say. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. For the life which I now lived in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I died. Now my life is all about Jesus. And Paul is encouraging us, keep that perspective. If you want to live confidently in uncertain times when we don't know what a day is going to bring forth, you live for Jesus. And that's going to give you the confidence that you need. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? Your life is hidden with Christ in God from my studies you, you can go back to the psalms and you read several different psalms that refer to God as our shelter in the times of storm for example Psalm 61 from the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you the psalmist says of God you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. You have been my security. You have been my shelter. My life, I am hidden in you. That's, that's the idea. By the way, being hidden with Christ and God, there's not a more secure place to be. And in fact, I love this statement. Our security is not found in the things of the earth, but in our position with Christ in God. How many times have we been led to believe that our security is found in this and things of the world? Our security is found in having a big bank account. Our security is found in in having a successful job our security is found in in owning our own home you fill in the blank and whatever else this world may may say folks our security is not in things of the earth the things of the earth are temporary they're fodder because they're going to be destroyed our security is found in our position with Christ in God finally look at verse 4 how do we center our lives in Christ? It means that we, ha- we are watching for Christ. Verse 4. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Christ who is our life. He is our life. He's the source of our life. He's the center of our life. He's the wellspring of life. He is the goal of our life. He is the one that we're looking for when He comes again, when He appears the second time. He who has the Son has life. 1 John 5, verse 12. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Our life we owe to Jesus Himself. Our physical life and eternal life to come we owe to Jesus. So when he comes again, when he appears, a reference to his second coming, then you will also appear with him in glory. In other words, those who are with Christ now will be brought forth to be with him when he returns in his glory. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I don't know how to define that last part. The glory which shall be revealed in us. I don't know that we can fully understand it nor describe it. But this is enough for me. What Charles H. Gabriel wrote. When by His grace... I shall look at His face. That will be glory. Be glory for me. Christ is our hope. When He comes in His glory, when Christ who is our life appears, Paul assures us, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Isn't that a wonderful, hope-filled promise? So, how do we live confidently? In uncertain times, let's stay centered. Stay centered in Christ. How, let me give you some practical ways to help us stay centered in Christ. Number one is seek God's will. Seek God's will. But seek first, Jesus says, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All these things contextually is the things that we need to live upon this earth, the basic necessities of life. But sometimes we get that verse backwards, don't we? We live it backwards. Sometimes we have the mindset, well, let me worry about focusing on all these things, the things of the world, the things that I need or think that I need. And then with whatever time and, and effort I have left, I'll seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Jesus says, if you want to be Christ-centered, if you, want to be, if you want to live eternally with me, you got to get your priorities in order. And you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And the blessing that follows is that He'll make sure we have the things that, that we need. So seek God's will. Number two, search God's word. Search God's word. I love Mary and Martha in Luke's account, Luke chapter 10. Because Jesus is visiting in their home. And Martha is, I think the King James wording, is cumbered about with much serving. She's wanting to be the, just the right hostess for Jesus. And who wouldn't want to be, right? Who wouldn't want to be? But that's her focus on making sure everything's just right for this guest of all guests. But what's Mary, her sister, doing? To Martha's chagrin Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, hearing his word. And Martha is so bothered by that, she tries to get Jesus to make her sister help her. You remember Jesus' response? Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. How often does Jesus say that to you and to me through this story? You're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And that's sitting at the Lord's feet, hearing His Word, focusing on those eternal truths. Folks, if we're going to stay centered in Christ, we're going to stay in His Word and study and, and drink deeply from it. And seek to apply it to our lives. A third thing to help us stay Christ-centered is to support God's work. Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt, nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hearts follow what we treasure. Our hearts follow what we treasure. So we need to ask ourselves, what what am I treasuring? What am I valuing? What we value most is a magnet for our thoughts and emotions so we must learn to value god's things the most and that's going to be that's going to have an impact on how we view our time it's going to our time our talents and our treasures the use of those things reveals what we value if we value the things of god then it's going to be indicated by the way we use the blessings that he gives us you want to be Christ-centered? Support God's work. You probably have heard or read about a man by the name of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl survived a Nazi concentration camp. While in that concentration camp, he was treated, he and all those prisoners were treated cruelly uh, tor- with tor- torture, hard labor, Practically starving to death. An environment of death was what he was living in. Frankel had been married only nine months when he and his young wife were forcibly separated. She was taken to one camp, he to another. He went to Auschwitz. In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Frankel described an early morning prison march. He says he and the other prisoners, hungry, listless men, stumbling through the darkness, tripping on stones and splashing through the mud as the guards shouted viciously and clubbed them with rifle butts. No one added a word to the icy wind. But finally the man next to Frankel muttered through the cover of his coat, If our wives could only see us now. I hope they are better off in their their camps and don't know what is happening to us. When Frankl heard that, his thoughts went to his wife. And in his mind, he focused on the facial features of his wife and all the qualities about her. He examined his wife features of her smile and, and her serious mind in the sanctuary of his memories where the Nazis couldn't enter. He thought of her, and as the sun began to rise, it didn't match the brightness that he felt inside. And it seems that his legs were strengthened and his body was insulated as he thought about his wife. And over the coming months, there were physically stronger men that gave up hope and died all around him, but he kept going. How is it that he trudged onward through the miserable landscape of his days? He credited credited it to the power of the human concentration He simply kept his mind fixed on the powerful image of his wife and he derived strength and comfort there and purpose and meaning for a life that was starving for it. I understand, he wrote, how a man who has nothing left in this world may still know bliss, be it only for a brief moment in the contemplation of his beloved. What Viktor Frankl recognized was that love is the most profound motivator. And that's what sustained him. I want to borrow his experience and relate it to the way we live our life as Christians. You remember this text, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with endurance or perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do we live confidently in uncertain times? How do we live confidently when times are especially difficult? Learn from Victor Frankl. Learn from the Hebrew writer. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We consider him, what he endured. We think about how much He loves us and what He endured for us so that this world is not our home and we have something far better that awaits us. But not only that, because of what Jesus has done for us, even our existence in this world, as difficult as it may be, we don't lose heart, we don't give up because we have these blessings in Jesus. All because He loved us so much that He went to the cross to die for us so that we can have the abundant life now and eternal life to come. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Follow Him. Stay centered in Jesus. That's how we can live confidently in an uncertain world. Where's your center this morning? Is your center in Jesus? If it's on anything or anyone else, it's not going to sustain us. It's not going to give us that eternal hope. Let's center our lives on Jesus. And the way that we do that is if you've never become a Christian, that you make those initial steps of faith, even this morning. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross, He's the only means of our salvation, and you're ready to confess that and personalize it, having turned from sin and repentance, turning to follow Him as a way of life, you can be baptized into Christ this morning. You can be buried with Him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life with forgiveness of sins, with all the blessings that come with Christ, including this new perspective on how we live today. We live Christ-centered. He's the key. If He's not the key to your life, why don't you make Him that by surrendering and obeying the gospel this morning? If you have done that, if, if as Christians, remember Paul is writing to Christians who, like us, have trouble keeping, keeping first things first. Let's change our perspective prayerfully. Let's center our lives on Christ. And perhaps we desire the prayers of the church to help us do that. Or perhaps there's something going on in your life that's pulling you away, like the piloting that ship. It's pulling you in other directions. And you need the prayerful support of your church family. Why don't you let that be known? And if you're subject to the invitation of Jesus, please come right now as we stand and sing.